everybody. Welcome into the Great Scott Show, the 8 o'clock hour. It's Tuesday. Sitting across from me, wearing a Hawaiian shirt. Yeah. Not like a, a bright, obnoxious Hawaiian shirt. An obnoxious Hawaiian shirt isn't necessarily a bad thing, but, you know, more of a, a low-key subtle. Yeah, it's... Um... It's black and tan, ma- matches the khaki shorts I'm wearing. Today. Are you just, are you kind of becoming a Hawaiian shirt guy? I love Hawaiian shirts. You know, uh, first of all, they're comfortable. Second of all, they're big. And, you know, being a fat guy, it's <laughs> kind of important. Um, but no, I, I, I like, I got probably six or seven of them. Nice. Now, later today, we'll induct a new song into, well, you will induct a song into the TTT Hall of Fame. Yeah. I just figured with the Hall of Fame this past week and the Pro Football Hall of Fame, it just felt like a Hall of Fame. It's a Hall of Fame time right here. Um, but I want to start off with some good music because I want to I want to get your thoughts on something that we discussed yesterday, which ended up leading to a conversation that we were actually talking about you for a part of it. We'll get to that in a minute. But the Mets whooping the Braves behinds was a beautiful thing. I enjoyed the hell out of it. And I got to watch a good bit of Sunday's game, and DeGrom was perfect through, you know, five and two-third innings. Um, And ended up, you know, pitching six. And Edwin Diaz comes out, and they start playing the music. And for some reason, it went viral. Like, non-Mets fans were all like, dude, look at this entrance. Like, this this music for a great closer. And, you know, I brought up yesterday how... And, And what was the music? So here, let, let's. It's better if you have the visual, but the shot is of him walking out the back. And you remember when Joe Burrow had senior night and that camera followed? Right. So it was following Diaz like that. And it just. There's something about it, man. It just works. He's down the line. He's never done this before. He not know what to expect. He's in the area. Good shape. Very good. And now the whole crowd is air trumpeting, and they're and it's they're able to hum it. No, this is great. It you know the name of the song is Narco, which we learned by uh, Blaster Jacks and Timmy Trumpet, and it's still only sixty nine cents on iTunes. But you better hurry because yeah, the price going to go up. And then you know it's kind of got a club thing and. It just, excuse my French, there's something badass about it when he's walking out. And no, look, no, no, I can see it. And, and, and Tom commented, like, you have to be good. Like, the music, and I said, the great thing about closer music, if you have a really good closer, it's the perfect setup. Because the fans are already excited because their team's winning. So they're all like in a celebratory mood, and you've got a great closer. So you feel like they're coming in to seal the deal. So it's here. Here's the last thing before we can really just pop the champagne. And while Inner Sandman is, it was perfect for Mariana Rivera. Yeah, I don't think it's the best closer song ever, and the reason is because Inner Sandman is such a popular song. Right. I mean, it means a lot of things to a lot of different people. Same thing with. Eric Gagne, when he came out to Welcome to the Jungle, I'm not bashing it. It was awesome. I, I liked uh, Ken Lee Jansen, uh, California Love by Tupac. 
because it just da, fit da, 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 in the city, city of Compton. I just, you know, it was just great. There's something about this that now when you hear it, you just, just think of Edwin Diaz. Yeah. Like, when I hear Inner Sandman, I don't, I don't think about Mariano Rivera. Now, if it's a highlight of Rivera, I might think about Inner Sandman. Right. And I think that's why this is like... No, that's, no it's good stuff. This is the absolute perfect... It's good stuff. ...thing for a closer. It feels like a wrestler... In like the 90s, slowly walking into a ring and just taking all in that energy. Well, it's a, it's a bullfighter song. It's beautiful. What is, like, in your estimation, when it comes to live music at a sporting event, whether it's played or whether, whether it's played by an instrument or whether it's played over a speaker, what's the one that, like, you feel like, you know what, this... It, it, Music at the perfect time can just elevate anything, and it's no different with sports. You know, one of the things that um, that I have loved since they started doing it is uh, Wisconsin playing jump around at the end of the third quarter, and the place just going nuts. Well, the stadium you know? is literally shaking. Yeah. I, you know, stuff like that is really, really cool, I think. You know, now, if you want to talk about a stadium shaking... You know, the Aggie war hymn is about as good as it gets, all right? Because the, the, the press box literally starts moving when they start swaying back and forth. It's just a little scary. A little scary. Um, but, you know, but no, I jump around is always the first thing I think of. It's, uh, when, it's I, when I think of college rock, that's the song I think of as jump around. And, and, and they kind of made it theirs. Mm-hmm. And it's a cool song. It's not like Sweet Caroline, which... Somebody was complaining about yesterday at Russo Park, and I was like, oh, Jay Jay went off about that on Terrible Tune Tuesday months back. Um, it's got to be at one, it's got to be at the right moment in time. Two, you need to be good. Like, I feel like for a good closer, it's just for the reasons I said, it's set up perfectly. Like, if you have a third down hymn that you always play, well, if your team's not good that year, people are going to get sick of hearing it because you're giving up too many third downs. Yeah. Now, if you have the perfect march band song for stopping a team on third down, now it's a little bit different. And those are the ones that, you know, whether it's a, it's a marching man or played over a speaker, I think pregame songs are great because nothing started yet, so you can't get down if your team's bad. A third down stop... A great closer. There are certain situations, you know, like the Saints playing halftime, or as a lot of people call it crunk. It started in like 08, and it took off because it was after they scored a touchdown, and then suddenly the next year they were in the Super Bowl, and they were just scoring a ton. And then I was like, when you do that, you got to be careful. So if you're, if you're getting your butt whooped and you score a touchdown, you can't play that song. This you is got, true. You got to know when to play certain stuff. Um, you know, I think uh, I've always liked... LSU's third down stop music. The Chinese bandit music. Yeah. I, I've, I've always thought that was pretty cool. I mean, it, it's unique and something that's theirs, and they're consistent with it. Right, right. Is, is there somebody, I used to think, man, maybe there's, there's too many things. Right, but my thing is, if they're working, like some people, are like oh LSU, they have the Garth Brooks song, and then they have Hold That Tiger. I'm like, 
If it's working, if it works, it works. If, if you have too much, like the ones that you remember for good reasons, keep it, do it. You know, uh, a lot. You know, some some fan bases will do the or or the white stripe songs, the oh 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 oh, and when a whole crowd is chanting at the same time, I think the Ravens do that. Guess what? The Ravens have been good for a while, so when they hear that, I imagine everybody in Baltimore gets really jacked up when they hear that song. Sure. What's the most synonymous song with a Cajun sport in your mind? Is it center field or is it is it something else? In well, center field is a baseball only thing. You're not going to hear center field sure. at the Cajun Dome. You're not going to hear it at Cajun Field. You know, the they don't play respect very often anymore. But, but they still use it as the beginning fanfare of their pregame show for football. So they've kept it alive in that regard. But they played it for so long that I think that that it's it, it's still if you say tell me a song you associate with the Cajuns nine out of ten people are going to say respect. Um, I feel like I I like the fact they don't play it much anymore. Okay. I also like the fact that they've kept it as the opening fanfare. When did they? St- I feel like back in like oh five oh six they were still playing it a yeah. good bit. When did they start cutting back? I I, I don't know. I don't know. But it but it was but it was time. Okay, to cut back on it and 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 not play it like five and six times a game. Sure, you know. Sure. Um, but they have kept it alive with the opening fanfare for the pregame show, which I think is cool. No. You know the 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 best parts about the about the Cajun pregame show is the opening fanfare, um, dun, um, uh, jambalaya. I, I, th- that's the best part about the. You know. There you go. You never know when something might just take off. Um, you know, it's interesting. I've talked to, um, or on message boards, seen comments from fans of other schools that have come to Cajun Field and talked about how cool they thought it was that we played Jambalaya before the game, you know? Um, so, yeah. You think the Cajun fans take it for granted sometimes? Oh, I think, you know, I think fans in general take what they do for granted sometimes, you know? Because it's there all the time. There's never an oh wow factor yeah. because it's always there. Yeah. Um, so I think that happens a lot. But when you hear, you know, look, I've never heard a visiting baseball person say anything but wonderful things about center field. Except Luke Johnson. Well, Luke doesn't count. <laughs> I still mess with him. If I'm at a game, I'll, I'll take a video and I'll text it to him. Uh-huh. Not for me, Scott. My, Mike Wagenheim, who um, used to do UNO and Nichols, um, and he actually now is working for the uh, English-speaking news station in Israel. Um, the first time that he was at the Teague and they played center field, he looked at me and he said, this is blasphemy because it wasn't take me out to the ball game." Traditions are cool. I like when new ones get born and develop organically. I think if something is forced, it generally doesn't I don't, work. I don't, I don't think you can force tradition. You just can't. It just it happens on its own. You could try to make something a thing, but it's there's there's got to be that emotional connection from a fan base and that shared emotional experience. And 
You know, I think it, it doesn't just happen like one time. It, it builds over time and, and suddenly it's really cool. And then suddenly everybody hears something and think about Edwin Diaz. I think the Braves are thinking about Edwin Diaz. I, th- I think he's living rent-free in their heads right now. Yankees, they're kind of hitting a lull right now. The Yankees have, um, you know, they got off to that ridiculously good start. But since then, they've only been pretty much a 500 team, you know. Um, I'm, I'm, there's a lot. Look, I'm sold on, on Stanton and Aaron Judge. I'm sold on LeMayhew, you know, a couple of guys in their lineup. I don't know that, you know, when I look at their pitching staff, I say, okay, what's their answer to Scherzer and DeGrom? And the answer is they ain't got one. Yeah. Um, And, you know, I still think the Yankees are a very good club. But, you know, the Astros are their daddy. Or at least they are this year. And, you know, and they have been in the playoffs as well. So, um I'm, I'm, and I'm sure Yankee fans don't want to hear me say that, but but the the facts don't lie. Um, but yeah, they've been you know look. All I know is this: Dodgers have won thirty out of thirty five. They're scoring more runs than anybody else in baseball. They're it's... allowing fewer runs than anybody else in baseball. There's only been one team in the history of the game that ended the season. Leading baseball in scoring and also leading baseball in ERA. And that was the 1942 New York Yankees. That's been it. Max Muncy and Cody Bellinger, if you add their batting averages together, it's about what Carson Rockefort hit for the Cajuns, are starting to wake up. They both had great weekends against the Padres. If they get hot, be afraid. Because you you got a guy hitting five and six in the lineup batting 170. Cody Bellinger's hitting about 210. But they're in the lineup just about every day. Bell, uh, Bellinger not against lefties. But they just keep scoring runs and they keep on winning, even with holes in their lineup. Major League Baseball's playoffs are going to be fun this year. And if you'd like, I can give you a list of all the Dodgers who have been on the IL this year, and they still are sitting there with 75 wins. So their run differential this year, the Dodgers are at plus 226. Now the Houston Astros, great team. Mm -hmm. Might be in the World Series. Sure. Might win it. They're plus 120. There is a a 100 run differential between those two teams. Yeah. Yeah. That's and the Astros, I think, are third in the league, by the way, in run differential. The Yankees are second there, plus 206. Mets fourth, plus 115. Plus 226. A hundred more than the Astros, who are 70 and 40, by the way. But the Yankees at 71 and 39. I don't know. The AL, it it seems like in the last week and a half or so, it's kind of... That fight for home field advantage in the American League is going to be one of the things that we're really watching in September. Same thing in the National League, although the Dodgers have a little bit of a a cushion right now. Um, And I'll tell you the other thing that's very, very important is where you finish in the wild card standings. Because the number three division champion who has to play in in the first, 
round against the six seed, they're guaranteed to play at home. The four and five seeds, best record plays at home, but it's all three games at home. It's the best two out of three, but if you have home field advantage, you don't leave. Really? All the games are at your ballpark. So I think that's uh, that's something to to be following as well. Toronto leading in the wild card spot in the AL. Braves obviously in the NL, followed by the Phillies and then the uh, the Padres. So I, I it's going to be fun. It's going to be fun. And yeah, yes, I'm getting more into it this year because the Mets are good. For sure. I wish they would have maybe traded for a reliever. I have some concerns about catcher, but... You know, they got Jacob DeGrom at the trade deadline. They just got him back. And yeah. when he's on, he's the best pitcher in baseball. Yep. Um, run production, okay, at times. When you have the arms to compete with anybody, then you're in it. And and I think they've got the starting arms to do it, and they certainly have the closer. But, you know, somebody – who is going to be that great team that just – is sure to fall early in the playoffs and just look back at a at a at a season with disappointment when they should look back at it of man we were great because the the amount of really top heavy teams this postseason the number suggests it's just going to happen. Yeah, who's going to be uh, the Seattle Mariners? <laughs> um, you know, and and I don't know. Look, in a five game series, and and I have said this forever, in a five game series. Higher seeds are vulnerable. Seven-game series, not so much. And in a best of five, all you got to do is have a couple bad days, you know, and and suddenly you're at home. And so I don't think anyone is immune, and that includes the Mets and the Dodgers and the Astros and the, and the Yankees. I don't think anybody's immune from that. Anyone could go ahead and, and stumble in the... Um, and the first, you know, in their first round, because first round. because those teams are going to get buys, um, and then there's also the thing of okay, the other teams had a best of three, and yes, they've used pitching, but they've been out there every day. You know, they've been out playing. Some people think that that's an advantage. And, house, and, they the whole house money argument yeah. too. Like, mm-hmm. hey, we're playing more loose. You you're, you're getting tight. Yep, you've kind of been in this spot spot for a while. You knew you were going to be in. You knew you were going to have a buy. I got one more crazy Dodger statistic for you. Their top two starters are a combined twenty-five and two. Neither one is named Clayton Kershaw or Walker Bueller or Julio Urias. Tyler Anderson and Tony Gonsolin, twenty-five and two. Gonsolin, he's he can roll, man. I I, I don't. I just don't. And and look, now, the Dodgers do have an Achilles heel. And it's the back end of the bullpen. Craig Kimbrell's terrible. He's just terrible. Um, now, they're going to get Gratterall back next week. They're finally going to get uh, Blake Trinan. He was on a 60-day DL, hadn't pitched this year. They're about to get him back. That's going to help. But... You know, they ain't no Edwin Diaz music playing when Kimbrell comes in the game because he's just got awful. <laughs> what, 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 what terrible tune would you play for for Kimbrell walking out? I I don't know, CeeLo Green. 
forget you, boom, but, boom, but boom. the other. Now let me hear you say, "Wayho, wayho, way no," is what Jay's trying to say. Yeah, way no. Yeah, I, I just know, man. He, he's he's terrible. But thank God when he comes in, a lot of times for a save, they've got like a three run lead, right? Because he's going to give up two sizable. <laughs> and then and then when he stands there and looks for a signal. He he like looks like a raptor because he brings both arms up like he's going to fly away. And I wish he would. I wish he'd fly away. You're starting to sound like Kevin. Oh, no, no. Look, I'm sorry. He's bad. <laughs> and, you know, I don't know, man. No trumpets for him. No trumpets for him. Well, no rest on your eardrums, guys, because uh, up next is the Hall of Fame. Jay Walker has his own induction. Of a song that, uh, frankly, is, um, you know, it's offensive. Yes, it is. Don't go anywhere. TTT coming your way next. It's ESPN Lafayette, the best ticket in sports. The biggest names in sports are talking to you every day on the Rich Eisen Show with me, Rich Eisen. I know! Every weekday from noon to 3, right here on ESPN Lafayette, ESPNLafayette.com, and the ESPN Lafayette app. He still hasn't given up his dream of becoming a member of the Beastie Boys. Mm, drop! Scott Prather on The Great Scott Show on ESPN Lafayette, the best ticket in sports. It does go well with a chicken. Welcome back into the Great Scott Show. Terrible Tuesday. You've been warned. Jay Walker has a uh, Hall of Fame TTT induction today. The first song that was inducted into the TTT Hall of Fame by me was Friday by Rebecca Black. Now, the guy who produced that and stole her parents' money uh, also had another young girl that he stole the parents' money. And while Rebecca Black, to this day, I mean, she's got a following. She, she, she performs in clubs and stuff. You know the name Rebecca Black. Sure. Unlike Rebecca Black, this girl kind of disappeared. I mean, you can't, if you, if you Google her name, you'll find an Instagram account, but you can't tell if it's her or not. It could be somebody else with that name. But she hasn't recorded. She, hadn't, she did one other video called Shush Up, that was way too old for her. I mean, she it, it, was, it was very uncomfortable to watch. But this one as a little girl, very politically incorrect because the guy who did the producing, who made an appearance in Rebecca Black's Friday, also makes an appearance the here. The guy who took the money, you said. The guy who stole the money, yeah. he uh, and, and is very much kind of makes fun of Orientals uh, during during the thing. But we played this in maybe maybe the first year of TTT. Probably so. Um, and, we're, and we're bringing it back now. I think she was 11 years old at the time this thing was done, maybe 12. Good Lord. 
But at any rate, here is, here is somebody we haven't heard from since. Little Allison Gold. And the song is Chinese Food. Terrible Tune Tuesday Hall of Fame. Shame on you, making me have to listen to that. I had to watch that video just now. <laughs> I gotta. I think when you played that, because I remember I heard of this. I remember people talking about it when it came out. I think you played it on a day where I wasn't here, maybe when Ryan Banowitz was in. 
Possibly. Because I have not, I don't think I've ever sat down and actually watched the video. Why would I? Jay, that's, that might be the most terrible of all TTTs. It's right up there. I mean, the song is bad in and of itself. And then you watch the video with it and it's like, oh my God. Yeah, I know. How insulting is that? It it's it is offensive. Yeah, but the song itself is horrible, and the girl's like ten years old. I think she's eleven at the time. Yeah, I don't. I, I which I, means she's twenty now, because I think that was two thousand thirteen that that was done. You're sitting, over, dude. She would. I'm not even making this up. You were over there lip singing the whole thing. Just How many chow, times have you listened the, to no, that just song? Just the chow main, chow ma 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 main. That's that's the only part. Over there, dancing in his chair. Yeah, that was me singing dancing in my Chinese chair. food. You know that it's true. Oh man, as our friend Steve would say, that was some bad shaws. Bad shaws. I need. I need a. I need a break. This is awful. I got a baseball trivia question for you. Okay, who's the best pitcher in terms of victories? I never win the Cy Young Award. I don't know. Cy Young. Really? Well, in the end, he won because he got the award named after him. Yeah. He's remembered more than anybody else. Wait, didn't he like, he has like unbreakable records, doesn't he? Well, he's got 511 wins. Like, how does does he never win one? Because there was no such thing back then. Okay. But was it called something else at no, that point? No. Because, okay. you know, some people would be like, oh, this team never won a Super Bowl, but then they won championships or something. So they didn't they didn't call it something else. They just created the award to honor him. That makes sense. Makes sense. Here's a former Dodger, since Jay's all caught up on the Dodgers. Ron C., one game at a time. We're going to close the book on TTT. Well, I, but I'm happy to report he was playing for the Cubs when he did this. One game at a time. So he was still playing when he decided this was a good idea to record. Him and Terry Bradshaw should have done a duet back in the day. I know, right? Don't go anywhere. Great Scott Show continues. We'll talk a little fall camp and the absurd votes in the preseason poll for college football. Jay, you better start warming up those windpipes because you're going to have to scream a little bit. It'll make sense when we come back. It's great Scott Show, ESPN Lafayette, the best ticket in sports. One game at a time. Sports talk that's so legit, it smells like beer and chicken wings. I mean, can't you smell it? I'm smelling barbecue, too. ESPN Lafayette, ESPNLafayette.com, and the ESPN Lafayette app. ESPN Lafayette, the best ticket in sports. Let's play ball, it's game day. We want strikeouts, base hits, double plays. Take the field, hear the roar on the crowd. Come on, Marlins, make us proud. Come on, Marlins, make us proud. Welcome back. 
into the great Scott show. Scott Prather, Jay Walker. Coach's poll came out yesterday, top uh-huh. 25. Louisiana got two votes. Uh-huh. LSU got 143. They are not in the top 25 to begin the preseason for the first time since 2000. A few people asked me if I was surprised. I said, no, not at all. I mean, the last time they began a season not in the top 25, they were coming off a losing season right? with a new coach. Thing is, when you're a team like LSU or Penn State or Iowa or Florida, you'll get the benefit of the doubt. You could start the season 2-0 and and 3-0 and over three teams that aren't great, and you'll maybe be in the top 25. Here's what was <laughs> Texas at number 18 is kind of like they 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 don't, you know, they were 5 and 7 last year. Their quarterbacks never thrown a pass in college football. Like they probably shouldn't be in the top 25. But and they also got a first place vote. That, that's where I'm going. Mm-hmm. I was looking for it's Texas. But yeah. That right there, Jay. One coach And by the way, there's 65 coaches to get a vote. Steve Sarkeesian is not one of them. One coach in college football gave Texas the number one overall vote. Texas, the most disappointing, underperforming team in the country. Is that fair to say? Yes. Texas, who somehow didn't have a single player drafted into the NFL draft last year. Texas... I, I started trying to figure out who would do this. And then I was like, is it just some like troll? Like, would Mike Leach just do this to be funny? But like, he doesn't care about Texas. Like, does Nick Saban have a vote? Is he saying, man, that rat poison, we're playing in week two. I want, I want, to, I want them to be ranked and, and have a number next to him because it'll help me with my team. That actually sounds like something Saban might do. All of these voters are anonymous. The only time they're revealed is for the last poll. And the last poll, nobody remembers anyway. You remember who won the national championship, and then you remember where your team finished. And that's about it. Like you remember who was fifth last year or sixth? I don't. No. Who cares, right? You probably remember where UL finished, and you remember that Georgia finished number one. Like, having your vote made public for the last poll doesn't matter. Having it anonymous leads to shenanigans like this. Now, the preseason poll is already flawed for a number of reasons. But Texas at number one, Jay. It's Texas. Now, here's so here's my question. Does either Brett Venables or Jimbo Fisher vote in this poll? I'll have to look that up. Now, why would you mention the head coach of Oklahoma in Texas A&M? Well, I, 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 well, as Paul would say, well, it's common knowledge. <sighs> I don't have a list of all the coaches okay. that have a vote. All right. Um, I'm looking for it. I just know that Steve Sarkeesian is not one of them. Okay. I know that. Um, let's see here. As far as Texas-based schools go, uh, Dana Dimel at 
UTEP, Joey McGuire at Texas Tech, Jake Spavadol at Texas State, Jeff Trailer at UTSA. That's all. I, I don't. I don't have a, a list of the entire thing. But Jimbo Fisher was not in there, and this um, SI article is listing the coaches in Texas. So perhaps you can take him off of the list. Mm-hmm. If Saban has a vote, is it crazy to think that he wouldn't do something like this? No, I don't. I don't think he would. To, to be honest with you. So who would do something like this? I, I don't know. I don't know. This is wild, man. This is wild. Now, the preseason poll is always flawed, and, and a lot of people say it doesn't matter. It can matter for one or two teams, um, especially in the group of five, depending on where you start. If you run the table, another group of t- five team runs the table. Maybe you each lose a game. You're fighting for that New Year's Six, which, as Coach Desimo said, Earlier this week, for a group of five team, that's kind of like a Super Bowl, right? A New Year's Six Bowl. Um, and, you know, that, that can impact that. So, you know, if you're, if you're a team in a major conference with a big name, if you take care of your business, it'll usually sort itself out, especially now that it's a four-team playoff and not just two teams. But to say that it, it, it has no impact, for a few schools each year, it does. For most of the schools, it doesn't. They should probably wait until a month into the season. They've never done that, and they never will do that. The number next to the name helps sell rankings and, and all of that other stuff. I mean, it, it matters. Um, I just remind me, Jay, in January to pull up this poll again, and we'll go back and look at how ridiculous it actually looks. Because there's going to be something in here that it, maybe it's Texas at 18. Maybe it's probably going to be Texas with a number one overall vote. But... I don't know what it's going to be. I don't know what it's going to be. Are you surprised that Cincinnati is all the way back at 22? No. you surprised that? I don't even think Cincinnati's going to win the American this year. I think Houston will. Well, Houston's ranked in the top 25 as well. Uh, they're just in there. Uh, Sunbelt, Mountain West, MAC, they don't have any teams. Sunbelt, App State got some votes. Um, Ten App- votes. App State, Coastal, and Louisiana. Coastal and Louisiana both got two. We mentioned the Cajuns earlier. Um, Florida State got a single vote, top 25 poll. There you go. <sighs> Who is going to surprise this year in college football in your mind? Uh, you know, that's a really good question. I'm, um, I, I don't know. Somebody's going to, okay? Somebody that, that we ain't talking about, you know, and it might be a team from the Mountain West. Uh, that just puts it all together. Um, it it might be, you know, and that's what I think of when I think teams that are going to surprise. I think of teams that are not in the P5. Like a San Diego State. Right. Or a Utah State or, you know, whoever. Fresno State. Yeah. Air Force. Um, so, I, I, you know, it might be it might be one of those. I don't know that it's going to be a Sunbelt team um, because... I don't think the Cajuns are going 13-1. and one. Um, Coastal Carolina lost a lot of people on defense. And I'm not... I don't think App is as good as they were like maybe two years ago. So I don't think it'll be a Sunbelt team. Um, you know, maybe it's going to be Toledo out of the MAC. I, I, I just don't know. I think as well, like... For it to be an app or a coastal or a Louisiana, you have to have 
a notable P5 victory. And, and I don't think the Cajun schedule or Coastal schedule allow. I mean, Coastal, I think, plays Virginia late in the season. And Virginia, you know, whatever. App does play A&M Week 2 on the road. Now, you do something like that, now everyone's paying attention. I don't think they're going to win that game for the record. So well, I don't think they're going to win that. And then, you know, okay, and week Florida State. And Week 1, App plays host to North Carolina. That game sold out at Kid Brewer Stadium. If they so, start two and zero, if yes. they start if they start two and zero, put them in the top ten. They will be in the top fifteen. Put them in the top ten. If they start zero and two, then everyone that covers the Sun Belt will follow them closely. But from a national standpoint, right. they will not have any kind of um, you know luster and cachet. But yeah, I think look, I think North Carolina's. I mean, North Carolina thinks going to be good this year, um, but they're playing at the Rock. I know. You win that, you build a little sizzle and hype for week two. And if you win that, then... Then then, then here we go. But you and I both don't think that's going to happen. No, we don't. And at the same time, you know, in this... In this look, let me tell you, if, if, if App State wins their first game, you think the national people aren't going to be talking about that A&M game? They'll build it up. They'll build it up as right. And then AM's playing Sam Houston. So, like, you're not going to get anything. You're not going to get any feel for the Aggies in that game. A lot of people feel like the Aggies are, are, are overranked or too hyped or can Jimbo actually do it. I mean, I, I think AM's going to be pretty good this year. I think they're going to be good, too. Here's I a, think they were a disappointment last year, to be honest. Big time. I expected them to be a lot better than they were. They beat Bama and got a lot of, you know washed away some of the dirt that had kind of sullied on them for last year. And I don't want to say that everyone forgot that they underperformed, but when you beat Bama in a big game like that, and then Jimbo and Nick start acting like, you know, mean girls in the offseason, it kind of helps people forget about how disappointing overall their season was last year. Mm-hmm. Pitt. I know, they're, I know they're in a power five. I know they won the ACC last year. But Kenny Pickett's gone. Best receiver in the country left for the highest bidder. His words, not mine. They're being overlooked. Their defense is really good. Clemson has a quarterback issue, I think. Maybe. Maybe. I'm wondering if the best team in the ACC isn't North Carolina State. You think so? I, I think they might be. I I, I think the, the, the ACC, I think once again is a very blah league this year. Wake Forest is ranked. Look 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 out for Pitt. That's all I'm saying. Okay. Look out. That's the team I think is going to surprise. I know they're ranked 16th, but they they could potentially well win the table. You know, you got the backyard brawl to open the season. It's been 10 Pitt, years. Pitt and West Virginia hadn't played in 10 years. That used to be one of the great rivalries in college football. Yep. One of the great ones. Uh, UL Fall Camp, talked to Coach Desimo last week, had Ben Woolrich and Chandler Fields, talked to them. Uh, that was on the show Friday. A number of other interviews I did, we'll, we'll play throughout the week. But, you know, you and I talked about it, O-line, talking to Carlos Rubio, talking to A.J. Gilly, talking to the quarterbacks. They all seem pretty confident in the O-line. And I, I, I Look, I don't think the O-line's going to be terrible. Okay, I don't think, I don't think they will be. I, you know, you've got three guys on the offensive line that have started games for the Cajuns. 
All right. Uh, Rubio, A.J. Gilly, and David Hudson. You also have been recruiting offensive linemen that have gotten a chance to get snaps here and there. My concern about the offensive line is can they stay healthy? Because I don't think they can avoid, uh, I don't I don't think they can handle too many injuries up front. If they stay healthy and the eight guys that Mike likes can play, okay, I think I, I think they'll be all right. You know, I don't think they're going to be bad on the offensive line because there's talent there. It's just the the I, the way I explained it to him was, listen, I'm not at all the summer workouts. I just have a sheet of paper, and like anybody, I can say, okay, I've seen this person play. They have experience here. They have experience here. And so naturally, we look at a unit, and we're like, question mark. We're not saying pass or fail. We're not saying good or bad. We're just saying question mark. You know, how do you answer that question about the O-line? And they all, I mean, what are, first of all, they're not going to say, well, you know, we have work to do. I mean, they all said really positive things. But you can, you can read body language a little bit, especially when it's not, Especially when it's a a young man that's you know the quarterback and you know is if you do this long enough sometimes you could read between the lines like they're maybe we're more concerned about it than they are I'll say that maybe I I think that's I think that's fair I wonder who's going to start week one you know at quarterback you know during the summer. They they have uh, they divide they have like eight team captains and they go ahead and they do a draft having to do with summer workouts and you know you get points for doing certain things and then you get negative points for maybe not doing the right thing and and they do that for you know I don't know six weeks I guess when they drafted the teams. Ben Woolridge and Chandler Fields went in the top five. Woolridge went number one. The year before, Fields went number one. My point here is, whoever wins that job is going to have the respect of the team. I did an interview with Andre Jones at Media Day, and I kind of got just based on one little thing he said, and I can't remember exactly what it was, that... He was, he was kind of all in on Woolridge. Um, you know, I'm, I'm going to say that I think Chandler Fields is going to take the first snap in the first game. But I don't know that. You know, uh, one thing that we do not know is we do not know exactly what the Cajun offense is going to look like. Because changes are being made from what they've been doing under Billy Napier. And so the question is going to be is, which quarterback is best suited to run the offense that the Cajuns are going to run in 2022? And part of what makes that difficult is they have a very similar skill set. They do. And Coach Leger, the office coordinator, said it would almost be easier if their skill sets were different in terms of this decision. You know, I asked him, what are some differences? He said, Woolrich may be a little quicker on his feet. The ball comes out of Fields' hand a little bit faster. But overall, 
these are very small. Like, there really isn't a big thing. He said, look, for Levi, you had... He was quick on his feet. He could do some things. He could move around. He said, those guys may not be as strong in that area. There's some strong in other areas. We have a lot of depth to receiver. And so, yeah, they're, you know, hello, maybe throwing it a little more, right? I just, I'm with you. That's a great point, Jay. Don't know yet what that offense is going to look like. But I would say it's a safe bet to say they're going to play to the strength of the quarterback position and what that quarterback does well. We will know in about 13 days because Coach Desermo told me we want this at the end of camp. We're not going to, we don't want to drag this thing up to the day before the game and then we release a depth chart. You know, no. Players deserve to know. The guys deserve to know. We, we, we need it. August 22nd, two weeks from yesterday. Great to see you, Jay. Good to see you too, brother. Don't go anywhere. Dan Patrick shows next. This is ESPN Lafayette, the best ticket in sports.